Welcome to the Words Matter podcast, a podcast of First Baptist Church Seminole. Welcome to the Words Matter podcast, a podcast here of FBC Seminole. Sometimes I wish I would have hit record 15 minutes ago and you could hear some of the conversations <laughs> that happen in this podcast booth. Um, not that there's anything wrong with them. It's just the, the day-to-day stuff that we talk about before we hit that record button. And So we're glad you guys are with us here. It is 2022. It is another year of podcasting. We are in the, the mid-20s of our episode count. Garrett counted for us a while ago, and uh, we're glad you're uh, continuing to listen with us. Um, let's do some introductions. I'm Josh Pollock, uh, here your host at the Words Matter podcast. Uh, in the room with us today, we've got... Nick Ataya, and I'm wearing a flacket today. He, he is wearing a flacket. I a, love flackets. Which spurred some of the conversation. Yeah, that is true. If you don't know what a flacket is, I know some people call them shackets. Shackets. But I like flacket because it's a flannel jacket. It is a true flannel. I've seen yeah. some. So the one I've got is not a true flannel, but it has a flannel look to it. Yeah. We just want you not just to, to hear us. We want you to know what we look like right now. Josh has got a hoodie with a beanie on and Adidas. Josh loves Adidas. I do. I and I like Adidas that. I like fan. that about you that you like Adidas. Adidas. Sheltos, man. That's so, one of the classics. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Adidas. Mm-mm. So Garrett's wearing of course, a cardigan. Yeah. Yeah. But he looks good in cardigans. I, and that's a nice cardigan. It is a nice cardigan. It's knitted. It is. It's it's knitted. Looks comfy. It's knitted. Did comfy you, as my kids. I did not did you knit, knit it. it in your knitting room. I did not knit it. I'd like to know how to knit. I Man, it got quiet. <laughs> I, I don't know how to <laughs> respond to that. I don't. That's just kind of that's out there. Yeah. All right, let's jump in with our question of the week. All right, the question that I've got this week. I've got the question. If let's say you're approached by somebody who says, "Hey, you've had a, a, an uncle pass away that you didn't know about." Um, and for some reason, he has left you $20 million. And now you find yourself $20 million richer. Um, what are What's one of the first things you want to buy? Or, or what do you see yourself wanting to do with that money? Well, first thing, and, and this is my, when my mind goes to questions like this, first thing I always think of is, okay, how much of that am I going to have to pay in taxes? Are, are we talking about a true $20 million I have to give Let's away? Let's say it's a true million, two, okay. true 20, taxes no have strings been paid. Tax. Taxes yep. have been paid. It's $20 million. I can divide it up however I want. So I'm setting up trust funds for each one of my kids for a million dollars. So there's three right there. Um, but that's after I give a minimum of $2 million to the church. Okay. I'm at least going to give $2 million to the church. Maybe throw in a couple million dollars for some special things like Lottie Moon and whatnot. <coughs> probably Falls Creek could get some of it. Okay. Um, the Nick I probably wouldn't. Nikataya Event Center. Yeah. There. <laughs> yeah. With 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 twenty million, I, I would probably only be concerned with setting aside one or two million dollars for myself for retirement, and uh, the rest of it, I'd just want to give away. Just there you go. Give it away. I mean, yeah. Give it away. Give it yeah. away. Oh, I would buy myself. Now. I mean, I'd I'd get myself the Cimarron Trail. Yoder smoker. There it so is. There's there. That's the answer I was looking for. Eighteen grand right there. There you go. So for a smoker. Oh yeah. yeah. You're not even that good at smoking. You know what? You can take your <laughs> cardigan and go knit. <laughs> Ooh, I knew that one. Quick. I knew that one would stab. Strung a cord. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Cream Cheese over there. That's right. Hey, I don't know. Smoke cream cheese. Is uh, game I know. Changer. Uh, it's I'm sold. game changer. Yeah. Uh, and it's my so first easy. Cheese the other night, not cream cheese, but regular. I got yeah. one of those maize smokers uh, the other day, and um, about died opening my lid a couple times to check on it because it was so smoky. Oh, yeah. there. puts that smoke out. But it was pretty smoked some mozzarella. Uh, smoked mozzarella. You liked it? it? Was, oh, I loved it. So I smoked mozzarella, and I was not impressed with it. Oh, I thought it was so good. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I liked it. Garrett, think about how much I'm a sharp cream cheddar. cheese you could smoke with twenty million dollars. I don't want to. If I had twenty million dollars, I wouldn't want to smoke that much. Well, I don't know. I don't sell any of it anyways. I right, just so give what, it away. What would you do with your money, Garrett? I think. Well, I don't think. I know. I would build the house on the farm that we've wanted to build for twenty years and have it done. That be. I mean, I wouldn't have to worry about it then. I'd just do it, and I'd probably build it myself. I wouldn't. I wouldn't hire somebody to do it. I'd get a pole barn, and then I'd frame the inside. And my wife wouldn't like it because she doesn't want to live in a metal building, but that's what we do. <laughs> but it wouldn't look like a metal building on the inside. That's what I keep telling her. Yeah. And she won't know any of this conversation because she, she refuses to listen to this podcast. She refuses to listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so last no night I, I turned, I was listening to some music through our uh, 
the TV speakers. We were just sitting around, and so I pulled up our podcast because Libby's the same way. She's she's like, I hear you guys talk about this stuff all the time. I don't need to listen to the podcast. And so I was forcing her to listen to some stuff, and I said, you're not interested in this, are you? And she said, I just already know everything that you guys have to say. So <laughs> That's funny. We were listening to it in the car the other day, the all-staff one, because um, uh, my wife listens occasionally. She didn't listen <coughs> – excuse me. She's a few episodes behind, um, but we were – uh, sitting in the car and we were listening and my kids were like, that's Pastor Nick. That's that's Garrett. That's that's Papa. That's Terry. They recognized all the voices from the How does line. it feel to have a wife who loves you enough Easy. to <laughs> listen <laughs> to the podcast? Just because your wife doesn't listen to me, nobody's going to tell her what you didn't say yeah. on this podcast. Yeah. Um, so $20 million, I, I think... The, one of the one of the big things I'd want to do is I'd want to find a way to get a movie theater. I, I, I've always wanted to own, even if it was the Strother Twin Cinema here in Seminole, I would always love to have owned a movie theater. When I was in college, I was a manager at a movie theater and Blockbuster at the same time, and I was working so many hours per week, but I had a blast. I'm just such a I big I feel like pulling guy. a Jim Halpert on you. You do realize that the movie industry theaters are... Uh, declining. No, oh, but once I paid for it, it's fine. I just show whatever I wanted to. I just hook up like old, like a VHS night and just old VHS oh, with the ooh. tracking stuff in it. Yeah. You know, pull out some of those old movies. Um, I think it'd be a lot of fun. You, uh, could, you, you could call it vintage, the, the oh, vintage yeah. theater. Thursday yeah. night, so I can't. Like vintage night. Yeah. They yeah. did vintage night during COVID at Strother Cinema. Mm-hmm. And they did they some did. like. Oh, yeah. So E.T. E.T., uh, The Goonies. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get to watch some stuff that I didn't get to see in the movie theater and I got to go watch it in the movie right as a kid because it had already you know you know back then it was on it's gone yeah and it come back so I got to go and it was great it was awesome I went with Rob I won't say what we went to watch because then I'll get judged but we went to watch a show in there and it was I was thinking man if he did this every week vintage and if he did it not during COVID Mm. I'd be I'd be down maybe I mean, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I, I hear uh, so. The problem is, '80s movies are awful. They're, they're, they're terrible. They're I mean, there's so, uh, stuff that I remember watching, and then I'm like, movies, my son, just, just awful language. Yeah. Right, my son needs to see this movie. You know, it's like Harry and the Hendersons. Awful. We got five minutes into it. I was like, turn it off. Yeah. You are done. Yep. Do you guys know what movie spent the most time in the theater in, in, in history? Mm-mm. In history? In in the history of film, there was one film that has spent the most time in the theater. My, at the picture show. Is it recent movie? No. Oh, okay. no, uh-uh. no. I say my guess would have been like Avatar, Titanic. No, see, in, 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 in relative, in relative when, you, when you consider newer movies, they just don't spend time in theaters like old movies did. Mm-hmm. Gone with the Wind. Oh, yeah. I was wondering. I was, was going to guess that. I think that. it was like five or six years or something that it was in the theater. Well, there wasn't anything else out yeah. at that time. Right. It was yeah. kind of the only thing out. Yeah. So. so You go see Gone with the Winder. So you'd, own a, you'd own and a that, movie theater. I, I That's think good. That's be, ambitious, too. And would, that was back when movies had intercessions. I mean, you, uh-huh. you had to. Yeah, the movie's three hours and 42 yeah. minutes long. <laughs> Take a break in the middle. It's like Patton. That movie, it had a. It was familiar, like, but I've never seen it. I mean, it has a break in the middle. Yeah. The, one of the only things I, re- I know about the Patton movie is he has that speech in front of the flag. Mm-hmm. And then in the in the 80s, one of the VHS tapes, tapes I wore out was Sesame Street's Follow That Bird. And Oscar the Grouch makes one of those speeches in front of the flags. And I yeah. had no idea what it was as a kid. But I wore that. We had to buy, like, multiple VHS tapes. I wore that movie out. Mm. All right. So we're going to jump into our podcast this week. Um, to kind of set the stage where we're going to talk about this week to kind of kick off this new year. Uh, Pastor Nick sent an article out to a, a group of our men um, this week from the Baptist Messenger titled 10 Markers When Church is Especially Good. And it was really interesting to go through this list and read these 10 things and to be able to say, oh, that's us. Oh, that's us. Oh, that's us. And then to hear the comments of the men in this text group uh, that you sent this to yeah. um, echo the same thing. Yeah, I think for me, so... It's a great article. It's by Chuck Lawless. Chuck Lawless is uh, his. He's written a lot of stuff. He's kind of like a Tom Raider. Does a lot of church research and likes to share that with people. Um, does a lot of interim pastorates and stuff like that. But the thing that caught me was the title, because I've seen these articles for 22 years. Mm. I've gone to these conferences where they talk about how to measure, you know, the success of your churches and things like this. 
And what really encouraged me about this is it seems like we don't say the same things that we used to say mm. about how to measure success, whatever that, mm-hmm. you know, put that in air quotes, success in churches. Mm. And I was tremendously encouraged to hear this top 10 list and to see certain things not in that top 10 list mm. uh, for maybe the first time in my entire uh Adult ministry life, you know. So two things. First, I I just had this thought. You probably better get a hold of Chuck and let him know that this article is about to blow up. I mean, when <laughs> once our readership gets a hold of it, listenership. I mean, the numbers. Yeah, the um, yeah listenership. It gets Turn a hold of this. It, it. I mean, it's going to blow up because we are what we're in the millions, aren't we? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> or maybe twenty. One of the two. Second, what were the things not on the list? That's what I was going to ask. That you were happy weren't on the list. So the first thing I was happy. So, uh, it, I I'm not going to say that I was happy that number of attenders was not on the list, number of baptisms were not on the list, and financial success was not on the list. Those things are markers. I mean, they are important. You know, we want to draw people, we want to see people baptized, and we want our resources to be, we want to be good stewards of our resources, but it seems like that's the only thing we used to measure church success by. Mm. And so I was happy to see that those things weren't on this list because it gave encouragement to what was on the list. Uh, I mean, I've even been criticized. You guys know this. Pastors have been criticized for years uh, if financial numbers drop in the church, mm-hmm. if baptisms drop in the church, or if your, your Sunday school numbers take a dip, it's like, well, what are you going to do you know, from a leadership perspective to get those people back or to get those numbers up? Well, a lot of that stuff is completely out of your control. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just there's nothing you can do to manufacture what, what sometimes people want in the church. Mm-hmm. And what this list does for me is it reminds us— uh, it's a work of the Holy Spirit to to do something in the church that's spiritual, mm-hmm. you know. And we need to we need to find and be glad at what we see the Holy Spirit doing, not what man can do. Mm. We'll get to this list here in a second. Yeah. But my my follow up question to that: Do you think those the change in the list and I have those things on the list is church in a post pandemic world, or do you think it's it, it, it's more of a spiritual thing now that they're realizing that hey maybe we count people because people count wasn't the best motto to have when it came to Sunday school. Yeah, I think that this started before the pandemic. I I do think that, you know, uh, there's a generation. I think the generations are working well together. I really do. I think that right now in the church we have generations that are working well together. Mm. But I do think that um, Gen Xers and millennials um, have come into – church life and Christianity and Christian education in a different season. So, which can only mean that the generations before us have cultivated that season for us to come through. So that's how we're working together as generations. Mm. But those markers that are changing are changing because, not because the landscape of culture is changing, they're changing because uh, I think we have seen, as we've tried things, for 25, 35, 45 years, we've been able to see their deficiencies. Mm. And anytime you see a deficiency in any type of program or uh, leadership model or whatnot, you automatically begin to ask the question, then where do we find (coughs) health? And so I think our generations are working together and analyzing things differently and first and foremost, looking for things that are measured by what is credited to the Holy Spirit instead of credited to us. Mm, that's good. Yeah, I think the model of uh, looking at numbers served to to sometimes uh, inappropriately boost our confidence in what we were doing, but it also served to discourage pastors who were being faithful mm-hmm. and churches that were mm-hmm. being faithful and churches that could have looked at this list and said, yeah, we land here. Um, this is what our church looks like. But, I mean, you take um, my father-in-law was the director of missions in southeast Oklahoma. And just by 
the way the demographics work, they have s- smaller churches. They don't. They're not going to have mega churches because um, just the separation and um, physical separation that they have, and small and, communities, and small yeah. communities. Yeah. And so, a, a thirty to fifty member congregation um, can be a healthy, um, functioning, thriving church that is on mission and doing what it's supposed to do. Um, but if you if you went off the numbers, you might go. Well, they're not running that many people, um, or they don't give. They don't have a large number of giving. You know, so I, I think that that's uh, it's always been something that's concerned me because numbers can be misleading. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I think even even for for like you said, kind of church staff. I remember early on um, going, man, there's not a lot of people here. What a what a terrible morning we had at church instead of looking at yeah. the preaching and worship and, and the spiritual side of it you tend to look at the physical side of what you can see and not what everybody left here with um, and I think it's really easy to fall into that trap there was I, I noticed on Twitter the other day I don't remember what day it was but uh, they commemorated on this day so many years ago Charles Spurgeon walked into a church in the middle of a snowstorm um, and there was a church service that was not attended by a lot of people, but Charles Spurgeon walked in and was saved. Um, and so uh, numbers mm-hmm. in that instance, uh, you can't qualify yeah. the difference that that mm-hmm. one service made yeah. for the kingdom. Yeah, I could just remember early on in ministry, a lot of the youth ministry conferences that I used to go to, it seemed like no matter where the conference was and who was hosting the conference, the vast majority of the... Uh, preach the people that were preaching at those conferences, the people who were leading the breakouts at those conferences, were either from Saddleback or Willow Creek. Mm. Um, and there was just this mindset as you went to those breakouts and as you listened to those general sessions that if you would apply the same principles that we apply, you'll get you'll be on your way to a mega church also. Mm. And we all bought into that. You know, we bought into those. You know, we bought the books and we went to the breakouts on do this and your youth ministry will explode with 300 kids, then a thousand kids, then, you know, whatever. And we kind of bought that model. And then you you become really disheartened when uh, you're looking for growth based on those models that you implement. And you're going, it's not the same here. What's different, you know? So I like that the that, that for whatever the word trend is worth, but I like that the trend has is taking focus off of those. Hey, do what the mega churches do. Right. It's less of that, and <clears throat> no, get into the word. Yeah. Know your community, know your people, shepherd well, shepherd there. I, I love that. It, it was really interesting too. Talking about Twitter, there was a tweet that went over over Christmas break, and it went out, and it was condemning youth groups and it said hey most youth groups water down messages and they're not very deep in in theology it's a place to eat dodgeball or to play dodgeball and eat pizza and it was really interesting to see the Oklahoma youth pastors go not here like mm-hmm. not in Oklahoma like yeah. you don't understand how serious we take this here and, and and even leadership at the BGCO level saying I've set in on hundreds of youth services across the state and that's not the case in Oklahoma yeah. it may be <coughs> elsewhere unfortunately but but here this is where we kind of see this going. And the more groups that I'm with of youth pastors that we talk, I mean, we, we are really challenging students with the word and, and trying to get them yeah. in, into that. It was really interesting to yeah, see when you, as well. When you asked me to fill in yeah. for, for next week, what the message he sent was, would you preach Wednesday night? I thought that was interesting. Oh, yeah. But that's the word that you used. Yeah, that's, that's what we do on a Wednesday night. Not, we, not teach or no, give a devotion. You ask what I preach when worship and preach absolutely yeah so i don't know how we're going to do this but i have a thought and you guys can nix it if you want to what can we go through and what was the one thing on here that stood out to to you that you went ooh, (laughs) that's the one thing i like so somebody should at least read the list real quick right yeah Yeah. absolutely yeah so josh just 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 give us this give the bold print list top 10 so 10 markers when church is especially good uh, number one, they love to be together. Number two, their pastoral staff is relational with each other and with the congregation. Number three, when they sing together, their joy is evident. Number four, they prayfully work together for resolution when potential conflict becomes apparent. Number five, they naturally invite non-believers and the unchurched to join them at church. 
Number six, they greet small group and worship attenders they don't know. Seven, they can't wait to hear the word of God. Eight, they know when they can trust one another to pray for each other. Nine, their small groups are so much life on life as they are constant sharing or content, excuse me. Their small groups are as much life on life as they are content sharing. And 10, they look forward to the future. So that's the top 10 markers, according to this article, um, that when church is especially good. So which one stood out to you the most, Garrett? Uh, So there were several that I liked, but the one that really stood out to me was they greet small group and worship attenders uh, that they don't know. Your frowning was that one you were going to pick. I I liked that one. Okay. It was, was yeah. And that's something that I have really noticed, um, that if you visit our church, you're not going to get out of the lobby with, I mean, you're going to get, and that's the common response that new attenders say is people are so kind. They've Mm -hmm. been... They reached out to us. They um, they really seem to care, and so if you're in the worship service, there's a good chance there's going to be. I mean, you're at least one person is going to, but you're probably going to get hit up by three or four people yeah. who want to get to know you, and and uh, that's that. I think it's made a big difference. I, I think I think so too. I liked that one. I'm, I'm gonna. I have a different one. But that was definitely towards top for me. But I'd like to camp out and talk about that one for a second because I think I have maybe one cause for why that dynamic has changed, at least here. And by the way, we should probably preface this with we do not think that First Baptist Church Seminole, at least I'm going to speak for myself, I do not think that First Baptist Church Seminole is the perfect church. (gasps) Gasp. While while we can look at this list and go, we feel like we're close to these things. Uh, the the Lord still is working on us, and we want to be humble about that. But on that particular one, um, they greet small group and worship attenders they don't know. I think possibly one of the reasons that that has become more of a, a natural thing for those that are that are here is to spend time getting to know people when they see them come in the doors for the first time is because we no longer do the greeting time during worship. Mm. I think that whether we Mm. consciously did it or not, we kind of used that as our opportunity to justify people that visited us got greeted. Right. Because we we spent three minutes saying, look to the person to your left or right and greet them, Mm. you know. An unintended cop-out. Yeah, I think it is. Nobody necessarily meant to. but. But now I think our church people, they look around and they go, okay, before they get out the door, I need to go see that person. And mm-hmm. they, they take the time and they spend time with them to get to know them. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember so. during that greeting time as a staff member, we're still kind of in service mode. And so mm-hmm. the worship leader's mm-hmm. on the stage and, and you're on the front row trying to greet a few people, but you've also got notes to worry about or someone's in the sound booth. Mm-hmm. You really didn't get a chance to greet those people. So after service, hey, did you see that family that was in the back left? No, I didn't make it over there before they left. But now it's like, hey, did you did you see that family was on the right? Oh yeah, that was the Smiths. Um, the the Crabtrees brought them over to us to introduce us introduce yeah. them to us as soon as service was over, and then they went to go visit Pastor Nick as soon as service yeah. was over. And that's that's yeah. the way they greet one another now is they go introduce themselves like, hey, have you met our staff guys yet? And then yeah. they walk them over um, to where we are after service or try to get our attention to come over. And and on top of that, a lot of times. We, we do see people that visit our service, and if we didn't get a chance to visit them, we'll ask around, hey, did anybody get a chance? And somebody has, oh yeah. oh, yeah, we spent some time with them. We've been, they're, they're this people. They just moved here, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not saying that the totality of the reason that our church is more engaged with visitors is simply because we took that out of the service, but I do think that it is part of it. Yep. So, yeah, that's a good one, yeah. One of the other one of the other shifts towards that that I found was uh, was celebrate recovery. Yeah, it it changed um, the intentionality because you try really hard to make people who come to CR feel comfortable. Yeah, and so that seemed to have bled over. Yeah, that was a good observation, and I, I had not even thought of that. And I th- I think that I think that may play into it the 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 uh, the welcoming time not being available. But I also think there were some people who really latched onto that with CR and thought, mm-hmm. we need to do this mm-hmm. across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Josh? I'm I'm torn between two, um, really anything on this list. Um, I think to kind of piggyback off the one we just did, number one, they love to be together. Um, mm-hmm. And I see this especially in, in student ministry, is, is our students just love to be together. Even 
<clears throat> when we're not meeting as a youth group for some reason, our kids are always together. They they want to be together. And I see that in the church as well. The fact that on a Sunday morning, church is out by, you know, 1205, 1210, um, and we're standing around in the foyer close to one o'clock and there's still people mm-hmm. just talking and making lunch plans. We, we will not make it to lunch before no. the other churches. In no, town. no. We're, we typically, we typically no. don't have much of a wait though, because we're after the lunch rush because they've already yeah. eaten and left because by the time we get out of service and people are done visiting and making plans and, and knowing that they've got to be back here, you know, three hours yeah. later for CR, it's, it's not a big rush. They, they genuinely want to be together. Um, and they look forward to that. It, it's not a, Oh, we've got to go to church because this is what we do. It's this is where my people are at. This is where I, I want to be. And I and I heard the statement Sunday made uh, by a couple of people that they they said I don't ever want Sundays to end. Mm-hmm. When the when we come to the end of a Sunday, they go, man, I, I didn't want this day to end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my kids are excited. I mean, I mean, my, my a couple of weeks ago, Carly woke up sick, and she was more devastated she couldn't come to church than she was worried about being sick. Um, that's that's where she is. Even as as an eight year old, she loves her Sunday school class. She loves being in the service with Lula and Lily and 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 sitting there with them. They genuinely at that age enjoy being together. Uh, and you see that across the board. You see that in our senior adults. You see that in our youth. You see that in your Sunday school classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that these people truly, truly love being with other believers. And I and I don't think that's just a product of the pandemic of being in isolation for so much. But I think that you really kind of was a make or break. You realized you either loved being around people or, hey, I don't mind being in isolation. And you're looking forward to a quarantine 2.0 kind of thing, or Mm -hmm. you're really, really invested in other people and you want to be around people, especially other believers, and be able to carry those burdens and and meet those new faces of people who come in the door. And so I I think number one was probably one of my favorites. I'd say number, number two is a close second. The pastoral staff is relational with each other and with the congregation. I think just the joy we have as a staff working together and, and coming together and whether it's in a staff meeting in the podcast room, sitting around one of the tall tables on a Sunday afternoon in between services when we could have gone home and taken a nap and we're exhausted, but we're still sitting around sharing and joking. Um, I think our pastoral staff is is um, the love we have for one another and for our church is, is real and authentic. And I think it's um, very evident um, at least to to myself and to my wife and to my kids to see how much the staff care for one another and what that does for our congregation. And there's two things about that that we know that that's not true from church to church. Mm-hmm. That there is, uh, I've, I've been on. I mean, I've been part of that, and it's not always been true here. And I think it is refreshing <clears throat> that our church has taken notice that this ministry staff. We, we feel like family, you know, we share with one another, we share burdens, we pray with one another, we're in each other's homes, we're doing stuff together all the time, and there is a very uh, strong bond, mm-hmm. um, and it's not artificial unity. It's a desire to serve one another, a, a desire to be kind to one another, a desire to build each other up in around other people. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I've been on church staffs before where I knew that other staff members were not going to build me up to church members. They just weren't going to do it uh, because it was territorial or, you know, they didn't appreciate my giftedness versus their giftedness. But that just doesn't happen here. I hear staff members building each other up in front of other people all the time mm-hmm. and uh, definitely love that. So that's a, that's a good one too, Josh. Yeah. All right, what about you? For me, it was number four. Probably for a lot of people uh, would go, why would that be number four on the list? That is, they prayerfully work together for resolution when potential conflict becomes apparent. Um, so the subheading for that is, it's not that they don't face internal turmoil. It's that they strive to deal with the spark before it becomes a fire. Unity really matters to the congregation. And we saw that at our last business meeting. Mm-hmm. We saw people stand up with uh, uh, an overwhelmingly agree. Uh, the church overwhelmingly agreed on a on on the um, uh, the motion for us to move towards a plurality of elders at this church. Overwhelmingly agreed on that, but they wanted they wanted to make sure that people. There were several members who went to the microphone to make sure that we all understood that we overwhelmingly agreed on mm-hmm. this, and it was almost like 
We don't want any potential spark to turn into a fire. So let's just out in the open talk about how we feel about this and how much we love each other and how much we want to be unified around this and want to rally together. And I'm thankful that we have the type of relationship with families as a staff, with uh, men in the church who gather and meet and pray about things that at the at the very mention of something that could be an issue in the church, we, we go, okay, we need to deal with that. We need to address that mm-hmm. prayerfully, with love, not with hostility, right. you know, not talking bad about people, just deal with it. And I very much appreciate that. You know, and the other thing related to that that I've seen go on is not just on a, on a big, on a church level, but I've also seen um, just in the past couple of months, several people come to make things right with each other. Mm-hmm when they thought that there was uh, a potential offense or um, they said things they didn't intend to come across the way it did or, um, you know, just the minor things that sometimes we would be inclined to go, we don't want to broach that, we'll just let it sit, but Mm -hmm. instead going and making things right. Because those things, that's the spark a Mm -hmm. lot of times. It's a um, one-on-one, a division starts between members, um, which leads to, uh, a, kind of a, an all-out brush fire, uh, but we've I've seen that even in the past couple months, people go and say, "Look, I'm I apologize. I didn't mean to come across this way, or I shouldn't have said this, or mm-hmm. and stop it before it got any further." Yeah, and I mean, I, I just really appreciate that. I really appreciate that people who strive for unity um, they face things when they come their way, and you know the people that are reconciling with people if they need to reconcile. They're doing that because they don't want any spark to turn into a right, fire. Right. And uh, it's a true love and desire um, for, for true unity in the church. And I just very much appreciate that. Um, and I'm grateful for that. Mm, that's yeah. good. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, so let's kind of go through this list of the ones that we, we, we kind of addressed. I can't believe you guys didn't pick it. number seven. Which one you guys hurt my feelings. I may we have intentionally not picked number Yeah, I think seven. you guys were like, we're not going to say number seven because it'll go to Nick's head. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I really think you could have picked anything off this list. Um, so for the listener, number seven is they can't wait to hear the Word of God. Yeah. So. And I, I believe that's true of our people. I, I believe um, – I'll let Garrett – continue to fill his coffee up. <laughs> um, I, I do truly believe... Oh, you're dripping on the table. Sorry. It'll mean. just make the room smell like coffee. Yeah. It's okay. Um, but I, I truly believe that's that's very true of our people. They can't wait to be in um, the service and, and listen in Sunday school and listen on a Wednesday night and listen to the Word of God. And, and they know when they show up here, the Word of God's going to be proclaimed and it's going to be heard and, and they want to be a part of that. What is cool on a Wednesday night, we're... We're currently going through. How long have we been doing it, Nick? Uh, since uh, well, we February? started in October. October. Why did I think that February? I don't, I don't know. know. We are not in. That's next month. Gary. That's next month. <laughs> we do this for <laughs> well, a year. I was thinking you're going the wrong way. We do this for three months. So year. since October on Wednesday nights, we've been doing what's we're calling it the theology of the church. And so, um, as Nick explains weekly, it's a study of the Bible, not necessarily a Bible study. And so we're looking at doctrines that are important to the believer. And we typically have, and that's something that Matt has mentioned that he loves, is we have discussion. Mm -hmm. And there's not typically questions at the end necessarily. Sometimes there are, but sometimes it's just opened. Mm -hmm. And there's usually discussion um, each night related to the topic that that we're on. And I noticed this week, which was really encouraging to me, several people come down to talk to you to talk more about and to get direction about um, where can I go research some of this? Or mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned a book that that we should get, and uh, people had already been looking to find the book mm-hmm. so that they could go read it and to study more. And so it's they want to hear the word, but it's not just um, one and done. They want to they want to take that yeah. further. Um, in my Sunday school class, I have a handout. And I've had people who have missed who have, like, they've come up and said, oh, I missed last week. And they took, because they wanted to read back through and study, which is really encouraging that yeah. it's not just checking a box. It seems to be they desire to learn the Word. Well, yeah. I, I think that's it's, it's evident beyond <coughs> a Wednesday night and a Sunday here. Um, 
Saturdays on, on Upward. We've got our Upward season starting. I've set in on two practices. My son's playing uh, Go Bulls. And um, <laughs> we've, we've had two practice devotions um, led by adults who have sat down on the ground with kindergartners, uh, pre-K through second graders and shared biblical truths with them. And it's not just a really easy, like, take-home lesson. I'm going to say a verse and we're going to be done. I mean, they're talking about the truth of God's word. And, and that so and I think Terry's very intentional with finding people who aren't just going to get up and read something off a sheet, but teach these kids about God's word. Uh, and we'll have devotions at practices. You'll have devotions at halftime of every upward game. And we, our Saturdays are going to be the longest Saturdays we've had in a couple of years. It's one of the biggest yeah. seasons of upward we've had with one of some of the most teams and participants. And um, we're going to have devotions at every single game. Um, and he's looking to fill those slots, and he's very intentional with who he asked to do that and because yeah. he sees the importance of God's Word being shared, not just on a Sunday morning from the pulpit, but also on a Saturday morning in the middle of our bridge facility yeah. with, with parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and even with the kids sitting there on the court. Well, what I like about what Terry's doing with the spiritual structure of Upward is the practices have devotionals, so every kid gets a devotional practice, but Terry has intentionally... Uh, told everybody who's going to share at the games, you have to spread. You have to share the gospel. Yeah. The gospel has yeah. to be presented, and I love that that they get a devotional at practice, and the gospel will be shared um, at the games. So, yeah, that uh, it's and so like I said, it goes beyond what we do on a Sunday morning to gather around God's word on a Wednesday night. I mean, it's we we've got a, a, a group of middle school boys that meet on Tuesday nights and they've got a very intentional Bible study. And my son is a part of that and he was bummed out because it got canceled. It did. Uh, because of this week and he was like, "Man, I don't get to go Tuesday." And I'm thinking, "What well, and ever think that he would be looking forward to I uh, Bible study." I don't think any of those guys listen to this podcast, but no. they meet in the youth room occasionally. And so I'll go up to work on the youth room computer to get it ready for Wednesday night, and I'll have my AirPods in. I'm like, hey, guys, got my AirPods in. Typically, there's nothing playing, but I've got, I just tell them I have my AirPods in so I can kind of hear what's going <laughs> yeah. on. And it's amazing to listen to these guys, yeah. seventh and eighth grade and ninth grade boys, discuss scripture and, like, hey, what did you read? What stood out to you? And the follow up questions they have. Yeah. Um, Easton and, and Josiah have kind of taken lead on that. Um, and it's been fantastic to see. They had a burden laid on their heart after Super Summer, and they really pursued it after Falls Creek and visited with me at the beginning of the school year. I'm like, what can we do? And so I gave them some books, and they, they taught through these books in like two, three months. They weren't very long books. And they're like, what do we do now? And I said, we just kind of want to read God's Word. I said, do it. Pick a chapter out and start with it. And they, they've kind of done that on their own. They do their own studying beforehand. It's it's really cool. So it, it moves beyond gathering around God's Word, like I said, on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night. I mean, it is evident in everything that goes on here that we want to be central around God's word. I eavesdropped one time. They, <laughs> they had to have it over here in the, uh, in the church. Oh, building. we'd love out loud. And so and, they come over there. And I, uh, they, I guess they were in, in the passage that deals with, if your sin causes you to stumble, pluck it out. If your hand, you know, cut your arm off. Now listening to seventh, eighth, ninth grade <laughs> boys talk about that passage, yeah. that was a little enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. Nobody, but whipped, was, nobody whipped out a blade <laughs> and say, let's just try let's it. Let's just do it. Let's just go let's for just it. Get yeah. it. See what happens. Yeah. One of the other ones that I really liked is number three, when they sing together, their joy is evident. Mm. So I'm going to say something that I, I'm, I'm going to speak to this with as much grace and, and, and compassion as possible. Listen, there are churches that have choirs. There are churches that don't have choirs. There are people that value choirs. There are people that can take choirs or leave choirs. We have not had an organized official choir here since July of 2020. And uh, that's not because we feel one way or another about choirs. It's just the reality that we're in right now. Before that? Huh? Before that? Before when, what? When did COVID hit? We had to stop with COVID. It was before well, um, yeah, maybe. Um, anyway, sometime in 2020, yeah, we officially yeah. did not have an organized yeah. choir meeting and, and preparing. Um, but one of the things that has happened here is I've heard multiple times people refer to our Sunday morning times of worship as we have the largest choir in town. Mm. Multiple times I've heard people mm -hmm. say that. I don't recall a time in my adult church attending life where I have... Uh, listened to a congregation sing with as much vibrance and joy as this congregation has over mm -hmm. the last, I don't know, year or so. Um, I don't, all glory to Christ. Uh, I think that the structure of our worship service, um, 
allowing the Word of God to be read before music, during music. Um, the songs that we're singing are, I mean, if they can't, I mean, they're embedded in Scripture. They're extracted from Scripture. And I think it has uh, birthed in our people who most, I'm sure, al- already enjoyed singing and loved church music and all those types of things. But I think that it has uh, kind of cultivated a different dynamic for worship for us. And every Sunday I walk away just blown away at how worship-filled through the singing of, of songs um, th- that happens here on a Sunday morning. And I can honestly say that, number three, when they sing together, their joy is evident. There's, there's hardly a Sunday I walk away and go, wait, it was evident they enjoyed singing mm-hmm. today. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah, absolutely. I want to I want to draw back just real quick to the gathering around the word, and I want to touch on something. Um, Awana, um, and yeah. they gather. I mean, it's it's Bible verse memory. My daughter sat in the living room and, and probably quoted about 15, 20 verses that she learned through Awana's last semester with my wife quizzing her on those and, and, and being able to tell you what those verses mean. And so I don't want to, even in our kids ministry, we gather around, I don't want yeah. I wanted to go back and touch mm-hmm. on that. So yeah, absolutely. Um, but when they sing together and, and I don't think I've left on a Sunday morning where I haven't heard people singing on their way out to the parking lot yeah. or discussing worship and not, Oh, I really like that song, but I really liked worship. They, they don't talk about it in, in, in forms of song. They talk about it in forms mm-hmm. of worship mm-hmm. and they're whistling or they're humming as they walk out to their cars to go to lunch, um, they they don't want worship to end. They they really enjoy gathering together to worship for sure. And I think part of that is how we have built in a value of church music by doing the monthly anthems, um, by putting the music out in front of the people on Spotify so they can mm-hmm. listen to it all week before they gather here on Sunday, by um, putting scripture verses to be read either before or during the songs. Um, you know, just being extremely intentional in choosing songs that make much of Jesus and that, that are expositions from the, the Bible uh, and not just singing songs because they happen to be popular on K-Love. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, there's some good songs on K-Love, but as a whole, not, not j- simply popular songs don't equal worship songs. Right. Corporate worship songs. And we're very intentional with that, mm-hmm. and I, I love that. And so. listening to, to Spotify, I'll let you kind of chime in on worship here in a second, kind of your area, Garrett. I don't have anything to say. <laughs> um, there's, there's <laughs> Never w- true. There's weeks where Sunday night, you know, Garrett and I will get together and put the Spotify list together mm-hmm. where he's got worship for next Sunday. And I listen to it at the breakfast table with my kids. And on Monday, I'm like, man, this song's kind of lame. I'm I'm not a fan. I don't know this song. Uh, it's typically a hymn. <laughs> but I, I, didn't, I don't know this song. Garrett said it's really good. <laughs> and I'm struggling with the lyrics or the tune. And by Friday morning, after listening to it for Friday, it's like, I can't wait to sing this on Sunday morning. And then it just, you know, it, it, it goes over the top in worship because these people want to gather and, and the intentionality of, of what we pick. But there's songs that, that grow on me. There's songs that have to grow on me, but they almost always do where I'm yeah. like, man, this is a really good one. I can't wait to sing this. Well, take the month that um, we did that the, the anthem was Shepherd. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, my goodness. You can tell. I mean, people would sing that song with tears in their eyes. Uh uh, that song is so. It's obviously. I mean, it's it's very it's, pastoral. It's birthed in mm-hmm. Psalm twenty three. Mm-hmm. It's very pastoral, but people get it. They get they're in moments of life where it's hard for them to sing a song about Jesus being the shepherd in their valley. Mm-hmm. But they want to sing songs about Jesus being the shepherd in their valley. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's it was that 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 month was powerful. Mm-hmm. So Donna chose ours this this month yeah, she once did. again i i there's a there's a a song that i want to be our anthem and i've wanted to be our anthem since like october and it just hasn't and this is the month i said it's going to be this one um christ the true and better i love that song mm-hmm. um but then we did uh, come all christians be committed mm-hmm. which isn't it's an old hymn From 1912 um, it's it's really good and so i told nick before the service i said man I'm thinking this might should be our anthem, but I really don't want it to be because I want Christ the true and better. And so he said, ask Donna after the service. She was there talking with us. She was there, yeah. He said, just ask Donna what she thinks. So we get to the end, and I ask her, and she said, "Uh, come all Christians. She said, that's what we need to be singing in January. And Mm -hmm. I thought, yep, she's right. And it's an old old hymn, Mm -hmm. um, but it 
it really it sparks something and the more you sing it the more you go yeah this mm-hmm. this is what we need to think mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. yeah there's a doctrinal call yeah. yeah in that song that resonates spiritually with with the soul yeah a yeah. call for your whole life yeah yep. mm-hmm. that's good well, let's keep going through this list of ones we haven't talked about number five they naturally invite non-believers mm-hmm. in the unchurched to join them at church i'm seeing that uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm definitely, we get new faces every every week of different people um, who have been invited. I mean, we've got people who are attending Sunday nights and Sunday mornings as a result of somebody saying, hey, you should come check out our church. And typically they're like, oh, I know about FBC Seminole. And they're mm-hmm. like, no, 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 trust me, it's different. And people show up and go, this isn't the church I remember of the, yeah. the 80s or the 90s or even mm-hmm. five years ago or 10 years ago. This is a different church and, and really enjoy what they find um, behind the doors here. And that's not a—I want to be careful that we don't say we're not slamming the church of the <laughs> no, 80s and 90s. No, 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 not at all. It's, but it is different. And, and I would say that it probably from county to county, you know, across the—maybe even across the nation, that's true mm-hmm. of, of churches. We, we do function differently than we did in the 80s and 90s for good or bad, whatever. We do function differently, and we're just a church that functions differently than we did 30 years ago. Right. And— if there were aversions to people coming to church here 30 years ago, some of those aversions just aren't here anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we've, we've retained all of the blessing. We've mm-hmm. retained all of the, you know, uh, that which God has done so faithfully and so well here and accomplished. And we're glad that that legacy and tradition is still here. But there are also some things that we've learned along the way. And we've just tried to listen to the Holy Spirit and embrace God on that mission mm-hmm. And like I said, we're not perfect, but we're trying. And I think people recognize that. Well, I think yeah. a lot of time it's it's parents coming back, and they're like, well, I was yeah. in the youth group there in the 90s, and I remember that church. And, yeah. and they've got, as a teenager, what you liked and didn't like about <laughs> life completely changes. We were having conversations yeah. about clothes yeah. that we used to wear yeah. you know, back in the 80s and 90s, and sort of have a deeper appreciation for Josh church Josh wore jinkos. I, no, I did not have uh, jinkos. I'm pretty sure I heard you say that. I've got, I did have some big, big jeans, but they weren't jinkos. Um <laughs> But even then, the idea of, of what you thought church was supposed to be back right. then when you were a teenager versus what you appreciate about church now yeah. has changed. And to see that in, in, in parents who are bringing their kids you know, on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings and, and being a part of what we do here. Yeah. And I, and I also like number 10, they look forward to the future. And I would argue that that's not a young person outlook at our church. What I love mm-hmm. is like just take our discovery team when you sit around that that group of men who've been here for 30, 40 years, some of them, mm-hmm. deacons for 20, 30 years, and those men are excited about the future and where we're going, that, that's such a spur for me to know that it's not just young people who are excited for the future. We've got people in their 60s and 70s. Uh, yeah. yeah, 70s. Yeah, that are going, I'm excited about what's next. Mm-hmm. And I and that that's such a, an encouragement uh, for me. You're the youngest person in that group, aren't you? I am. At 35? 7. 37. I have to ask my wife. I don't remember. 36 <laughs> or 37. It's I was born. There. That's all I know. Yeah. You have to do math, but yeah, 36, 37. And I'm, st- and I'm in my 40s, and Nick and I are still on the younger end yeah. of that group. We even Rob in his 60s, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah Rob. Rob's definitely in his 60s. Take so. a shot at Rob. <laughs> Can't be defend himself here. Yeah. Um, and uh, so and I'll, we'll end with, with this one. Because um, I think this is kind of relevant to to kind of what happens Sunday morning in our service. Number eight, mm-hmm. they know they can trust one another to yeah. pray for each other. Um, and I, I saw this shared on Facebook this morning. Um, we had a, a church member shared Sunday service and, and highlighted one of the points about God not abandoning you in your times of need. And right now you look out what's going on in society and, and not to be one of those guys, but just what's going on in, in the world. And, yeah. and sometimes it's easy to feel abandoned by people, by things, um, because you've put all your hope and faith in things and not in God. And they shared that. And they said, hey, this was a great Sunday morning. They went to Mixler slash FBC Seminole and they shared Sunday morning service. And three other people had shared that from just their original post mm. because they were like, this is a message the world needs to hear. And we had a, a great message um, Sunday morning that talked about that. And then we ended in a time of prayer and it was one of the most powerful ends to a worship service. And I I don't think it was man-made. I don't think it was necessarily anything. I know Nick, you led out great in that, but I do think the spirit moved people to a time of prayer. And we, we watched people move and, and pray for those people who are hurting and and sick right now, especially in, in COVID and things that we know people are going through. And to see our church respond in that time of prayer was, um, 
very overpowering um, to see for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, and to be honest, I uh, I knew that we needed to spend some time in prayer uh, Sunday morning, but I didn't know what that needed to look like. I honestly didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I just knew that it was needed mm-hmm. between COVID and pe- the the loss that people have experienced over the last year, and not all of it's COVID related. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. uh, stressful um, for people. Right? Politically, it's stressful. Financially, it's stressful. You know. Um, and people are worn out. They're mm-hmm. just worn out from not knowing what's going to happen in the next week. I mean, just take, for example, we didn't think school would cancel right. this semester. And yesterday, they canceled school Last again. week, we had a conversation at staff meeting about yeah. s- we're not worried about school canceling. They're, they're not going to cancel. Anymore. And I'm not saying that they—that's—it's uh, it's what they needed to do, and we wanted to follow in, in that. And so things just are, are hard on people right now. And so I knew we needed to spend some time in prayer, but I didn't know what that needed to look like. And uh, people were just faithful to to do it. They were just faithful just to gather and pray. And that was really encouraging to see that people go, we know how to do this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to gather, and we're going to pray. Right. And we've seen that expressed like on a Sunday morning yeah, like we did this week. But we've also seen that expressed – I remember after a a Wednesday night, there was an, uh, an individual in church who had a, a procedure that they were nervous about, mm-hmm. and um, everything just kind of stopped, and I don't even remember who called everybody us to worship. Was, everybody was in the foyer. <clears throat> yeah, I don't remember who called, not worship, who called us to prayer, but we gathered around and we prayed. About um, a dozen of us, yeah. It, it was, it's, when I ask for prayer, Today, there's been a time in my life when I asked for prayer and people might say, I'm praying for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that I really, I don't know that I really expected that they were going to. Mm-hmm. But that's what stood out m- with me in that, uh, that we can trust one another to mm-hmm. pray for each other. And today, um, I know if I ask for prayer that people stop what they're doing mm-hmm. and they pray. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't just say they're going to and forget about it. That they're uh, they're going to be intentional to do it yeah. right then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. When I in in my mind when we went moved in that prayer time, I was like, okay, the altar is going to just be full of people, um, and it wasn't just people at the altar. I mean, it was you know kids and adults and youth at the altar, but it was also congregants gathering around one of another who know that they're going mm-hmm. through a hard time, whether yeah. through yep. small group discussion in Sunday morning, who shared, hey, would you pray for my family because of this? And I watched small group leaders and members gather around people who are struggling right now who weren't yeah. even mentioned from the pulpit Sunday not that yeah. it, they needed their information shared and in genuinely carrying burdens for one another and, and being broken and, and going to God in prayer for that and it was really powerful to see um, yeah. as a result of just feeling that for one another and wanting to see our congregation healed and uh, healthy and um, knowing that you're not alone as you walk through whatever it is you're walking through yeah. it was a really really good service you know one of the things I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this that I think has helped that is uh, is the congregational prayers that we have weekly. And I, I know Nick, so we've we've done both congregational prayers and we've done responsive readings. Um, but Nick, you compile those. Sometimes you write them. Sometimes you pull them from a, a resource mm-hmm. that you have um, and and tweak it to fit us. But these these prayer it, it's much like the way that we sing we're singing god's word we're singing things that are doctrinal we're singing um songs of lament to say when we're in lament here's how we properly lament or when we're in lament here's how we can we sing about uh the, god being our shepherd mm-hmm. and what he's like the prayers are also that way they're each prayer is our prayer today comes from mm-hmm. and these passages that we're reading them from and we pull prayers from Scripture and say, this is how we pray for these situations. And I think over the past year, I think we've been doing it for about a year, maybe more, maybe a little uh, bit longer. A, yeah, probably longer. Yeah, That we've, we teach ourselves, even when we corporately pray, uh, we are teaching each other how to pray. Mm-hmm. And I think that's formed the way that we view corporate prayer, the way that we view individual prayer. Um, it shaped it, it shaped it around scripture, yeah. which is I, th- I think that's been a, a, yeah. and, a part and, of it. And I don't I don't I wouldn't venture to say that once we made some of these changes and incorporated so much scripture into a service that people were all for it at first. Nope. They're like, I don't they understand weren't. what we're doing here. And the more and more time they spent in God's word, the more and more they've come to 
love it and expect it and even share. Like, this is my favorite part of the service is the fact that we bathe in Scripture before worship songs, before the sermon is preached, during the, the preaching time, that they've really come to enjoy that, not understanding why at first, but then really seeing the benefit of that and, and feeling the benefit of that for sure. Well, Scripture mm-hmm. itself is clear of, about what Scripture can do to us, mm-hmm. that um, it doesn't come back void, that it, uh, that it renews our mind, that it teaches us. And whether we know it or not, whether we even initially want it or not, um, it, it will do what it says it's going to do. It will form us and shape us and, and you teach know, us. Yeah, and there are a lot of gospel-centered churches in the state of Oklahoma and nationwide that, that, do, that have been doing this a lot longer than we have. Their liturgy and their Sunday mornings yeah. has been uh, very gospel-centric and very saturated in Scripture. And over the years, they've been criticized for it, you know, that they're not— fluent enough with the times mm. and fluent enough with what's popular in music and fluent enough with, you know, h- how you are f- to be free in the worship service and these types of things. And uh, what what I feel like is being a clear, clear testimony in church life these days is those churches who are most birthed in letting the Scripture and the Holy Spirit do the work in the worship service and not man— those churches, it seems, are far more stable in this time we live in than the churches who don't do that. Mm. And um, we have a shepherd. We need to allow him to be our shepherd when we gather for worship. Mm-hmm. So That's good. Well, again, this was an article from the Baptist Messenger by um, Chuck Lawless. If you want to pull it up yourself, you can go to the Baptist messenger.com 10 markers when church is especially good if you find yourself reading this article uh, pick out your favorite and let one of your staff guys know what your favorite thing about our church is from this list it'd be interesting to hear from you guys and you've heard from us about this article and we'd love to hear from you guys on what some of your your favorite markers of our church are if, if something's not on the list that you really enjoy about our church we'd love to hear that as well um the coffee cups are just about empty, so it's about time for us to wrap up our podcast. <laughs> Anything coming up in the next few weeks that you guys want to talk about before we, we end this? Anything coming up? <clears throat> Go ahead, Garrett. Yeah, fe- February 6th, is that what you were going to mm-hmm. talk about? Mm-hmm. February 6th, uh, right after the Sunday service. And I think our Sunday service we've talked about might incorporate this as well. Uh, we're going to have um, a missions focus. Uh, we're going to have a day to just kind of celebrate our giving uh, to the Lottie Moon offering. We'll have the tally by then and know what the church has given to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Um, We're going to have individuals from the church who have been involved in missions, um, who have um, either participated in going or some, actually we've got a a person who served with the International Mission Board Mm -hmm. for a period of time in Africa, uh, Kim Coe. We're going to represent the countries that they have served in. Uh, my dad's coming. He's going to represent um, the, the country that he served in. And then we have also uh, been able to get in contact with uh, a missionary in residence uh, who has spent time in the U.K. Yeah, thir- the, yeah. sometime, the, 30 years. Yeah, they've been with the IMB for 30 years <laughs> yep. and currently in the U.K. So mm-hmm. they'll be here like five days before yeah. <laughs> February 6th, they wanted to, they'll they just, wanted to be here. They'll yeah. just wow. get off jet lag yeah. uh, by the time yeah. they get here. So uh, we're going to have uh, just a day of we're going to eat some food uh, from the areas of the world that are represented. We're going to have a time of sharing um, just to pique the interest about uh, missions. Uh, missions is something that, uh, th- that the church should be interested in, that they should be involved in. And so we want to just start that spark and say, we've been faithful over the years to give uh, through our cooperative program, through our, uh, through our Lottie Moon giving. Uh, we've been faithful even to send. Uh, we've got a wall that, uh, that has mission trips uh, that have gone out from this church. Uh, but we want to kind of rekindle that fire and say, um, how else can we uh, be involved? Uh, how else can we partner? And maybe uh, my hope is that um, sometime in the future we we're sending a missionary from from our congregation um, with the IMB uh, to serve somewhere. So um, it's going to be a good day. I'm excited about it. Yeah. I'm trying to get Gabe to wear uh, some local clothing that I have. I can't <laughs> fit it anymore. I'm too fat. <laughs> but Gabe could probably fit it. So 
I think every church should strive to be an Antioch. Mm. Every church should strive to be so missional that you are sending, um, not just participants, but sending people uh, to to not just explore where the gospel can be uh, planted, but plowing and spreading seed and building churches in places and sending people to, to build those churches. And so uh, I think that we have to begin to take those steps to go, what does it look like to become an Antioch in Seminole? So. Mm, that's good. February 6th, looking forward to that Sunday morning to kind of experience missions with our church and to hear about that. That'll be good. All right. Well, that's what we've got for you here on our Words Matter podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening and always invite you. If you don't have a place you call church home, we'd absolutely love for you to to join us on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning or even a Saturday for Upward Saturday and come see what we've got going on here at the church. And especially invite to February 6th for our, our Missions Emphasis Sunday. It'll take place a little bit in the service, and then after we'll have a, a fellowship meal, and we'll get to hear from all these missionaries. And looking forward to that as well. So thank you guys for listening, and don't forget, Words matter. And that's what we're going with. This has been the Words Matter Podcast, a podcast of FBC Seminole. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.